0: Ready. Welcome back to Less Than 10, an EVE Online PvP small gang podcast. I am Blood Ruin, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Feral.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: And uh, we're pretty excited. Uh, it's a good time in EVE. A lot of people are coming back from summer, and uh, I've been playing a little bit more. Uh, I think Feral has been as well. And uh, we're going to have kind of a general discussion of a lot of different topics tonight, and it should be fun.
1: Yeah, we had like quite a big quite a few significant things happened recently that we're going to talk about just in the overall eve changes and stuff like that um so we're going to dive into some of that and and talk about uh a meetup in portland that happened and we, we had some friends there so ccp rise was there and uh, we're going to go through some stuff that they talked about and then we'll probably have a little bonus at the end for you guys uh something we've been meaning to get to the last few episodes but we ran out of time and that's uh like useful alts we've had a lot of chat in our less ten discord about alts and what to fly and, and how to fit them. So yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit. But first, we'd like to thank our, our sponsor for this episode. And that is uh, the Acer, their C2 null C 5 Corp that recently returned to EVE. I mean, we say recently, but they've been sponsoring us since like episode four. And that's when they recently returned to EVE. So they've been around now a few months. <laughs> they have a tight core of players going back nine years. And they, uh, they're a great, great small gang. So if you have an interest in small gang, um, they are likely recruiting. So hop into their public channel. It's nullstatic, all one word, nullstatic, uh, to get in touch.
0: And I've chatted with them. I know they've done some evictions in the past as well. So they're kind of a diverse group um, doing a lot of small group content in different areas. Um, Very active as well. But yeah, so I'll I'll kind of jump into because I was I think more interested in the Portland meetup than probably you were. I live about five hours south of Portland, Oregon, and so um, I had actually really hoped to go to this meetup. But uh, spoiler,
1: Vancouver is yeah. five five hours north of Portland, so we're the same distance from it. Ah,
0: okay, yeah, because I we we talked about potentially meeting up, but. I know my schedule didn't work and uh, I think you were busy with stuff as well. So, but we talked to some people who went to it and the cool part is is CCP rise. Does he still live in Portland? I know he's like originally from the Portland area, but
1: I think he's working remotely right now.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Likely, Yeah. But yeah, so he is there full time.
0: Gotcha. So he, he went to that meetup and that's where we're chatting with our friends and, um, Uh, a member of was it Hard Knocks or Laser Hawks? Uh, And a member of Laser Hawks uh, Mantonio Terror Wing actually kind of uh, was kind enough to put a bunch of notes together on what was going on there and um, specifically what happened in discussions with CCP Rise and this is all just he (laughs) said quote this is still all dinner table talk at a bar in Portland. So everything here is definitely not indicative of actual changes, um, and it looks like a lot of Ryze's focus was on changing the terrain or the culture of of Eve in certain areas. So it's pretty cool. Mentonio put together a bunch of different notes on different topics, so everything from balance changes to tier side, um, and then you know discussions about conflict drivers and things like that. So. I kind of wanted to talk a lot about uh, certain things, Um, one of the areas being time zones, and uh, Mantonia put some notes together saying that um, just it seems like in general um, they're not pleased with the way that EVE players have used time zones to defend their area rather than to play. Um, And I think that's kind of in reference to people setting timers to off time zones like Australian time zone um, and just, you know, making a a defensive timer uh, that no one wants to go to as opposed to a timer that would, you know, result in a large battle. And uh, the notes kind of indicate that, granted, that's like a natural outcome of EVE players, because we tend to min-max things, but um, that Rise had suggested wanting to enforce or force it to some way where players actually have time zones um, set up on structures that they are active in. So, um, getting to that idea of like conflict drivers uh, and making those points of conflict be around and in time zones where the majority of those players are playing. Um, and so that's kind of I think like a noble goal it's the challenge then is like, how does that actually get implemented and how do, it's, it's so how do you actually make right? that happen? <laughs> I mean, like,
1: and, and it kind of is a buff to those multi time zone groups. Cause like realistically all the big groups um, like still have a, I guess all of them have a stronger time zone, but it just depends how they did it. If they looked at like when you're active and killing rats in your system, or I don't know what, what kind of metrics they would use, but it, it it would be pretty tough on groups that are, you know, a little more even in their time zone. Like do they just now have a very broad timer? They could still time zone tank if like a Euro heavy group comes in and they, you know, they're uh they have a equal EU and US. But I guess it'd be better than it is now. Maybe it's fairly niche than my my kind of problems with it that I'm having, but who knows? Yeah.
0: I think one thing that was possibly mentioned in CSM minutes or maybe it was in, in these notes but there was kind of an idea brought up of uh having time zones for structures tied to the region that you're in which is an interesting concept i'm not gonna say like i like it or I don't like it it's i'm not sure it would be a great solution but it's like interesting so kind of like how wormholes have a specific effect on them um you know like all cataclysmic Wormholes have very specific effects. It would be kind of like that with a region in Nullsec. So, you know, all of Delve has a certain time zone that timers are in, something like that. So, the idea would be that groups would move to areas based off of that, that region's selective time zone. Um, and you would end up with player activity being kind of focused around that. Um, but I'm not sure if that would actually work in practice. You know, it might just be that one group is so big that they don't really care, and they just go for whatever's most lucrative, or
1: yeah, you know, it, just push like,
0: players out.
1: It kind of seems like a, a non-sandboxy way to solve the problem to me.
0: Yeah, a non-an inorganic solution. <laughs> yeah, and then. Other topics that were talked about to varying degrees were things like structure spam and fleet comps. Um, I think structure spam in general is like a challenging topic because I look back to POSs and how they were structured around the idea of kind of like a, a maximum number of structures in a system. You know, uh, they were constrained to be on moons, so they couldn't be just anywhere. And as a result, if, you know, if you wanted to attack into an area of space, you would have to kill a a, a POS. Um, a lot of times they were just empty POSs, just being there to be placeholders. But you'd have to kill one of them and then put your own POS up. Um, and now as attackers, you know, a group, if they have enough of a wallet, they can just come in and drop 10 structures and you know depending on the size of the the defenders you guaranteed that like three or four of them are going to get anchored so um i structure spam is like a really challenging topic in that in that structure that way but um there were notes about maybe making them more vulnerable when they're unfueled and that might solve some of that in terms of it would be easier to kill certain structures but the actual like combat dynamics around them and how structure spam uh, affects the combat type situations really wouldn't be that um, that solvable just by making them easier to kill when they're unfueled.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, you look at like the difference between uh, unfueled pos from back in the day and a uh, current structure. Uh, I mean, it's night and day. Like they need, I think they should. I think if you have an unfueled structure, you should just be able to go blow it up. Especially the 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 cheaper ones. It's pretty ridiculous, actually.
0: Yeah. Oh, like Athenor's and Rotarus, I'm like I'm like, it still frustrates me that how inexpensive they are, and you can just throw them around.
1: Yeah. They got into like uh, things about fleet comps and. uh like it's noted here that Raz said he was fairly aware of how F1 mainline DPS happy null fleets are, and they kind of talked about changes like the command SEs as being a good change and a step in the right direction, which I would agree with. Like It adds some uh, importance in like bigger plays that most pe- like line members can, can make, rather than just the FC doing everything.
0: For sure. And then uh, they talked about Sino changes, which we'll get into more, because... Um, I think they're one of the most recent changes that we're talking about. But um it, just from the notes, it, it seems like a lot of those sino changes are still in flux and that they're still experimenting with some of that. So um yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll get a good feel for where things go in the in the future, but nothing is set in stone. And then the last kind of topic areas that Uh, Apparently we talked about or the ideas of um, trying to. uh, Apparently CCP doesn't have that great of tools for determining where or like what type of gameplay someone usually is involved in. So I guess Rise mentioned that um, they tried to model some of the CSM members based off the gameplay or like whatever tools they were using. And apparently it identified some of the CSM members as like high sec traders and not as like null sec leadership. And I'm guessing that's because, you know, those are the people with like wallet access, buying doctrine ships and stuff like that. So it's like, it's kind of interesting challenge um, from like a technical perspective of tools and stuff to determine how someone's actions on, on a, uh, on a character, an account, it actually like portrays their role or their gameplay style. So um, I guess Rise talked about that in a, in a bit of detail. It's kind of like an interesting area to think about. And then lastly, I guess wormholes were mentioned. Um, not much really was talked about there other than maybe like Leshak mass uh, levels increasing or something along those lines. Um, so down the road, we may see some minor changes there um, yeah like i think meetups are really cool in general i've been to like two uh in so far while playing eve and every time i've gone to a meetup i've always enjoyed getting to know people and like talk to a few people that i probably wouldn't interact with in the same way in, in eve um i actually went to like a test meetup when i was a low sec frigate pilot and uh I, like, hung out with, like, Sapporo Jones and some of, like, test leadership dudes, <laughs> and it was so weird because I had no idea what they were talking about gameplay-wise, but it was just really fun to, like, hang out and have drinks and stuff and um, just bullshit in general, so... Uh, yeah, and I just had you.
1: And... To up, but... Really?
0: Oh, uh, dude, it's, it was cool. It's, like, and you just know that you have, like, a, a common shared interest, so then you just kind of, like, hang out. It's... I don't know. Yeah. I, I never felt uh uh like i never felt felt out of place at at the two that i've gone to so
1: yeah and now that i live in a bigger city um i'll have to keep an eye on it and see if there are kind of you know monthly meetups I, th- I think there was here before in the past but i don't know if they do them anymore cool
0: so and then so yeah i guess that was the general topic of the portland eve meetup um i'd love to hear like more from other people who went or yeah, things that um, they thought were interesting or maybe some friendships that they made. Um, but also then this last week or so, um, the CSM minutes from the CSM Summit were released. There's a lot of interesting things in there. It's a really long doc, but I think if you are at all interested in the CSM and what they're doing, if they're actually doing stuff for, for you as a player... Um, if you're interested in like what CCP says are their goals, then it's definitely worth reading or skimming through like some of the key topic areas. Um, they're all broken up off of like a uh, a clickable format, so you can look at certain uh, subject areas and click straight to them. So, for instance, I kind of skimmed through like visual effects um, feedback section, but. Uh, spent more time on you know um, play style diversity um, as a topic that was being discussed so I definitely would encourage reading those
1: I read through them like quite in depth Um, overall like with these minutes like I wasn't super satisfied with the stuff I read but there's there is some good stuff there Um, But a a lot of the stuff CCP focused on, like just to sum everything up, is they kind of brought up four main focus points for themselves as a group. And those are, number one was to stop the bleeding. So, you know, stop people from leaving, stop people from being uh, disinterested in playing. Um, Number two was fix the stupid. So I'm sure we could all think of examples of, of stupid things in the game. So they want to fix those. Number three is to excite and teach. Um, so I, I imagine exciting teaching that's more, uh, pertaining to new players, right? So they want to get them excited to play and they want to educate them so that they get that hook earlier. And then, uh, four would, would be more for veterans and people who have left the game and that's to incentivize return. So, I mean, they're all solid points. Like it's probably stuff that we've heard in the past as well, but we'll see where it goes.
0: Uh, from there, one of the other topics that I, like, really was paying attention was playstyle diversity. And I guess at one point, Gobbins had asked CCP what they think makes a playstyle viable. Um, and according to CCP Muppet Hunter, um, he said kind of a, a very simple, high-level answer is that a, a playstyle must be a play, a counterplay. um must be something that does not make the player leave the game and it must be something that's relatively rewarding. So it's kind of I found that interesting cuz I feel like maybe in some aspects of the game um only like two or three of those are representative of of what's going on and so for instance like PvE being really Kind of, I think a lot of times boring. Um, if you would say, "Well, is that relatively rewarding because it's giving you isk?" or you know, is it challenging? Or I think there's like some nuance to what could really make a playstyle viable or not. And then the last bit, uh, there was an opportunity for CSM members to ask uh, CCP Homar questions, and so that was kind of like a sp- a very sp- specific like CSM AMA, which was included in the CSM minutes. So I think that's pretty cool um, getting to see the vision or the focus of what the the CEO of CCP is saying in responses.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like overall, I like I mentioned, I, I wasn't too stoked on the minutes and what I read. But it is important to remember that uh, much of the uh, of the whole thing is going to be NDA'd. Right, they they only put the stuff that they're allowed to talk about or, or stuff that they want to release, essentially. Right, but there is a ton of NDA discussion, So um, when I when I say that the minutes didn't really uh, inspire me or I didn't really like the content I was reading about, I mean it's uh, it's important to take the what I just said about the NDA into account, right? So yeah,
0: and I mean it's <laughs> if you spend the time and, and you're going through the doc, um, I think there's a lot to To be learned there, I think it's all about like, just at the end of the day, um, whether or not the CSM like is kind of representing me as a player is something that I'm I'm pretty passionate about, and um, yeah. So that's for each person to make up their own mind on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sway any of that.
1: <laughs> I definitely think nano stuff was underrepresented uh, because there was a quote from Vili. Uh, about a, a uh, what their topic could potentially bring. What was the uh, what was the term he used? Nano crappery. About potentially bringing back nano crappery. So uh, yeah, let's say nano is yeah. un- underrepresented.
0: <laughs> I think in general, I think there's about three or four people on CSM where I'm like, all right, these are good people that I feel like. Are are trying to make the game better. I think the number of Nullsec players on there is a little uh, excessive. I think there really needs to be only like three main, like Null FCs, because I do think some of them are really, really good at what they do, like Killa and Villy. Like they understand the Null meta and, like, especially fleet combat at large scales um, and responses and things like that nature. But there are some people I'm not going to throw specifics in, but uh, there are some people I'm just like, well, they got voted in because the population of goons is really high or the population of you know X group is really high and they can get the votes. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm excited for what you know Ixuki is talking about in the minutes as a wormholer. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. we'll see how things change from there on out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and if you don't want to read them, um, maybe like I'm sure some other like TIS might will likely go over the minutes. I believe they already have. Um, obviously, it's likely going to have a NELSEC focus, but you know, take with that what you will. Um, if, if you don't want to read through it, maybe give it a listen to on there.
0: So yeah, and then so we'll transition on from that. Um, just kind of, I guess, like we're doing a lot of community service announcements, um, which I think is okay and good. Uh, I think w- we kind of wanted to talk about the major changes and discuss some of the the areas that we think are good and bad. And um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, uh, the biggest recent change was the removal of Blackout, right? So we're a little late on this, um, but, but let's get into it along with the Sino changes. But uh, Blackout yeah. got completely rolled back. You would likely know that. So... I mean, both Blood and I, and everyone, for the most part, we we talked with the on the Hunter and Hunters, the Hunter and the Hunted episode. Um, those guys kind of had some negative stuff to say from their play style, but for the most part, we've been pretty positive about Blackout uh, from a small gang perspective. And yeah, it just got hundred percent rolled back, like no temporary, no thirty second delayed local, like straight up full local.
0: Yeah, I think that means we're probably going to see a resurgence of bots coming back into the game, which is unfortunate. Um, <laughs> but that really seems to have been the major aspect that contributed to that. Um, I really see like the Sino changes and Blackout as two separate changes, and I hope they stay that way. I hope that Sinos don't get rolled back as well. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I did feel like Blackout was something that I appreciated. Um, even in the times, uh, John Drees put up a video recently that was kind of about Blackout. But in one point, he said that uh, he said something really striking like that the Eve Blackout gave equal opportunity to the hunters and the hunted. Um, and I felt that during Blackout, there were times actually where. I was in an area and didn't realize how outgunned I was, and I, I, you know, and only noticed it like too late on D scan or something like that. And it kind of pushed me to be a better pilot. Um, And I kind of feel like that's going to be missed, um, at least from my perspective, because now I can jump into a system and see there's exactly 30 people in local and there's one ship out in space, you know, something like that. and so that's kind of a little frustrating, but uh, it will make hunting people a lot easier. <laughs> it, it it's kind of like a bummer in the sense that when you jump out of your wormhole, at least from our perspective, we jump out of, into our our knoll. Um, we're instantly known that we're there, uh, and it's uh yeah, unfortunate. But we'll we'll continue on. Out of the two changes, I think Sino changes make small gang uh, fighting more viable than blackout i think blackout was overall better for the health of the game um with reduction in in bots and making things more dynamic but i think that the sino changes are better for small gang oh,
1: yeah. i um, could have one or the other like sino changes for sure i mean when you think about in our episodes that we've talked about where we kind of complain about big problems or talk about big big problems um you know the biggest ones we had were, were essentially citadels and sinos right so um well in capitals but sinos are kind of tied to that so you yeah. know now you have sinos being pretty much gutted like the, the chain, it's a huge change um where yeah they could still Sino stuff onto you pretty quickly but you're you're guaranteed to see it coming. Like it's it's not like it was before where you had to guess. Now, you know you see a Black Ops battleship, you know it's there for a Sino. Same thing with the the Recons. Like you know it's there. If a Rapier decloaks, you know it's likely going to be a, have a Sino on it. So,
0: yeah, I actually posted a video because it was like three days in. We jumped a Oracle in within jump range of one DQ, um, which is major staging, right, um, and the cool part, from my perspective, was this was actually an instance where we jumped this circle, and and it was like we were planning on it being a gank, like there was going to be a dread that was going to jump over and stuff, but then there was issues with the dread. Um, he didn't have jump cal five, so he couldn't make the jump. So we're like, oh shoot, okay. So we've got like I don't know, like six leshaks and like two nesters or something. So we're like, all right, whatever. Let's just let's just try to kill this work. So we push him into panic, and then. In that process, though, like immediately we had thrown a sino inhib down. It was the first thing we did, which um, in the past we would have thrown that down, he would have lit his sino, and there would have been ten minutes of they could do anything they want. But so we threw the inhib down and as the the oracle goes into panic, um, I believe the Falcon decloaked at like thirty Km off and was trying to light a sino, but we had our inhib down because we had prepared correctly right and that that recon pilot had just failed to do one small thing all he had to do was warp on grid cloaked which he did see that there was an inhib down either like warp off and come back at 100 or go to a ping like very simple solutions but that pilot failed to do that so he decloaks starts trying to light his sino, and we kill this recon um and like they had like some small tackle come and we just kind of like pushed them off with drones um and at that time like we're kind of unsure like we're freaking out a super ends up like warping onto grid landing and then jumping out to a sino which was we thought was hilarious because we were like discussing hey can we actually tank this uh you know can we tank a super like uh what do we do what's the escalation right of of killing a super it's going to take a very long time and like all this stuff and uh, and he just leaves so we're like all right uh, this is weird and then we end up killing the oracle and leaving but it was all down to like that one little thing the Sino changes allowed us to actually use an inhib in a way that was it was meant to be used um yeah, the, the
1: inhibs don't even really need like they don't need a buff anymore before a lot of the stuff we talking we were talking about we were preaching for changes to inhibs so that they could actually be useful and yep. And now they really so, are, they hundred percent are useful now,
0: yeah, they have a purpose, and so you know, and even even if that so that recon landing at a hundred, lighting the sino or you know or at a ping lighting the sino would have been very troublesome for us. Um, but it's not lighting at zero and allowing titans to jump in and bows on you, or allowing faxes to jump in right on the target and and rep them. So there's counterplay and there's options there, um, as well as the potential for the recon pilot to make mistakes. And you know, I think that is very good um, for the game and for small group gameplay. It means that there's. I think one of the frustrations, at least from our perspective, has always kind of been the idea of that skill should always beat. Um, like the most, the more skillful group or player should always should win right um or should have the potential to win, and that that hasn't been the case in in the last couple of years, and so I think this change kind of brings back a little bit of skill needed on the defender part, um or at least like knowledge or forethought needed and yeah, so absolutely. so yeah, I think that's really um really useful,
1: yeah, and there's some cool stuff that you could do, like. So it's not, I mean, so, okay. So first of all, when this change went into effect, a lot of the null set groups basically put a stop to like super ratting. They said no super ratting for, I don't know, it was like a week or something that they turned it off. Uh, and they put into like effect these rules, which state, you know, you have to have a recon pilot like your Sino, blah, 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 all these things. But I mean, there are some cool things you could do to still get a Sino on grid. Like, I don't know if, like, I think it'd be cool to have, A bunch of covert sinos right it's so way easier to train uh just a cheap disposable frigate like a cob ops frigate and then light a cob ops sino and then jump a black ops and like light your hard sino after that with a brick tanked black ops i mean if you have triage on standby and stuff like that you know
0: yeah and that's the thing is like if you have triage and stuff on standby then you probably have the resources to provide a co-op sino so was the falcon
1: you killed um like the brick tank fit like i yep. think they have like 100
0: percent tank
1: like yeah it's like 140k hp or something stupid isn't yeah, it yeah
0: it, it took a while for him to, to go down what actually happened i think all I right it was a week like i can we'll post the video but at the same time they had small tackle going to our in sino which had lit for the dread so there was like a five minute timer. And so their small tackle goes over there. But then when he decloaked and lit his, like was trying to light his sino, he starts dying. And their small tackle leaves our sino to come over. And our sino ended its cycle and he was in a rapier and he just like cloaked up and warped away <laughs> so it nice. was like but yeah he took forever to die like we had leshaks ramping on him and he still took a while to go down so we were like concerned that sabers were coming and different stuff and i think we like pushed a flycatcher off with drones and stuff it was just kind of a little chaotic for a minute and then yeah then everything was like dead or off grid and we were like oh okay i guess they've yeah missed their first opportunity so they're just giving up and like sure enough we just kill the Oracle and leave and we we're like all right <laughs> guess that's that so
1: yeah see I'm totally cool with Blacko going away if they're gonna have changes like the like the Sino changes and and other things kind of along the same vein of uh you know allowing people to be punished by their mistakes right that's the key there I think is, is it allows yeah. people to be punished they don't just have a you know Million EHP hull that they just smash a button in and now all their friends can jump in, so I'm really happy with that, about it. Uh, I do some things that I'm unhappy about. Is it makes it really really difficult. Like essentially, if you're moving a non super capital like a carrier a dread, like moving, I mean, it's it, you're you're basically better off to uh, self destruct, get your insurance money, and then buy a new one wherever you're going. Yeah, which kind of sucks. So I personally. We'll get into our poll here. We asked our, our Discord audience on our less than ten Discord. So we asked if you could recommend the addition of Sinos to one ship type, what would it be? And the options were Tech One Frig, Tech One Cruiser, Tech One Battle Cruiser, Tech One Battleship, Interceptor, Interdictor, Heavy Interdictor, Tech Three Cruiser, Command Destroyer, or Command Ship. Uh, what did you vote for, Blood?
0: I voted for Hick for Heavy Interdictor. Okay. I
1: voted for Interdictor. But the winner, uh, by a bit of a landslide, 37% was the Tech 3 Cruiser, followed by the Heavy Interdictor at 23%. My choice, the Interdictor, was 10%. So why did you choose Heavy Interdictor?
0: So I chose the Heavy Interdictor because it kind of goes with the role of tackling supers that I would like to see. Um, I still feel like there's the... The danger of it going back to being like a gate camp sino kind of situation, um, but I feel like at least in terms of like it would, I would, I think it would still have a ten minute sino and stuff. I think it it would provide that gameplay for uh like super hunting groups to to actually use it in a in a viable manner. Um, and it's not going to be like cloaky, right? So it can't can't come on grid without you seeing it ahead of time on D scan and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that was kind of like my rationale for the hick. Um, I think there would be some balance in terms of they're they're still very hard to kill, and so by being able to like bring a triage in, it would be kind of uh it it might lead to some imbalance. Um, but i feel like uh i i guess the reason i didn't vote for t3 cruisers was because i feel like those kinds of imbalances would be even larger with t3 cruisers um you could make them interdiction nullified you could make them very very strong tank so i i brought
1: up that that cuz initially i didn't include tech 3 cruiser on this list but as soon as i posted it so many people were like you didn't put tech 3 cruiser on it i was like okay well maybe i should if this many people are, are want it so i changed it and everyone in Discord kind of agreed with with what I was saying about the nullification being way too strong to have a Sino and nullified and cob ops ship. But one person suggested, which I kind of agreed with, it, it seemed like a balanced way to do it, is uh, you could put it on, a, um, on one of the subsystems so that it more focuses people into fitting that subsystem. And then, you know, so you could make it, you could have it so it's not on the nullified subsystem. Maybe it's on the the support one, I think, is the one that w- was brought up. If you made it at the support subsystem that uh, gives you a bonus to links and reps, um, that y- you know, then you could be a Sino. But okay, but and, I mean, and, but then really, what role? Like, I don't know. I still don't agree with it, man. It was like a landslide win, but I don't, I don't agree with it at all.
0: Yeah. So, like, so interdictors was my other option because I think they provide. Again, that role of tackling something, of of interdicting something, was kind of pivotal there. Um, my like, and the idea with uh, just a, a interdictor being the sino is you can potentially kill them pretty easily, but then uh, there's the potential for combat sino spam, like we've seen with interceptors, and and that was kind of like where I was like, I don't know, but I personally, if I were working at CCP. I would put Sino's on the Heavy Interdictor and the Interdictor class and then see how it goes and make adjustments from there. Um, You know, maybe because you've now made the Sino, so it can only be used on certain class ships. And I think CCP Rise kind of touched on this in his Talking in Stations interview. But he said, like, before... Because they were available on everything, there wasn't the general levers that you have for other modules and other things to to balance right so changing fitting or changing um you know certain certain mechanics around that wasn't available um without affecting literally blanket everything in the game but so now, if you only have them on. So right now, recons and black ops, right? You could increase the fitting on a Sino module so that if someone wants to fit a recon for Sino, then it would maybe be able to fit less tank, right? Because of power grid shortages or something like that. Um, Yeah, exactly. if you then expand that across to heavy interdictors and interdictors, you could do something similar, right? So so that's like my personal thought is I would add heavy interdictors and interdictors and then start messing with the Sino module based off of the results. If you see just tons of interdictors being used for Sinos, well then beef up the fitting so it would be really hard to fit a decent tank on an interdictor with probes, right? Because probes, interdiction probes, take up a lot of fitting. So, so it'd be like one or the other, or like, you know, you'd really have to severely minimize the the tank on it, and therefore you it'd be more killable, like stuff like that.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I voted like, interdictor because like kind of for the reason you mentioned, but the main thing is like balanced side, like all the stuff you're talking about right now aside interdictors, you know, a Sino interdictor you can fit up for 100 mil, so it makes it so it's you're not dropping 300 mil every time you want to move your super or fuck, even your carrier dread, like, it becomes so much more viable, right? That's And that's like the interdictor for me hit the point that you mentioned about, like, hunting things and, you know, being a really really good ship for hunting things and then lighting the Sino, and then also... Um, on on the, the scale of isk per jump for moving capitals, that's like that was my one of my bigger things, really.
0: Yeah, I'm also a fan of, um, how would I say, like, uh, well, now now my brain's just not working. Uh, <laughs> small incremental changes. So that's where I like the perspective of introduce sinos to one more ship class then wait and then another ship class and then wait small and like, small
1: inter- incremental changes like blackout right <laughs> right and
0: that's that's the funny part is like chaos era like i i get what they're trying to accomplish but in terms of game design i think chaos for the sake of chaos is kind of stupid um i've been having fun with it but i would like to see these changes put into effect in a way that makes a little bit more sense, and that creates and incentivizes buy-in from the pay- player base. And I, I feel like that's where CCP maybe has missed with the Chaos Era. Like, yeah. it, what's really funny is you look at Chaos Era and them just throwing shit in, and then you look at like things like Abyssal Space, and I'm just like, dude, where was, where were these changes during Abyssal time period? Like, where where were these kinds of, f- this focus on disruptiveness... When you were doing all these other mechanic things that you've introduced, and it's just kind of it, it's kind of silly to me, like um, how they have implemented this versus like Abyssal Dead Space and the iterations that they've made on Abyssal Dead Space with being able to take in a fleet of three and you know kind of multiplayer combat around that, and I'm just like, you could have made so much. More like better improvements in terms of the implementation with Chaos Era and and this this disruptive behavior, these disruptive mechanics, and you might have actually uh, achieved some goals, you know, that were beneficial for the player community. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's like my two cents.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's mm, there's lots of wasted feature time, I, I think not that abyssal space is necessarily wasted i do like it but
0: yeah i it just feels like chaos area was kind of rushed be, probably because of how it was implemented i get that feeling whereas abyssal space i feel like they they really kind of like refined it they put it on the test server they did all this stuff like they got a lot of feedback they went through this iterative process of of making it better um, and and expanding on the feature um, and i'm like you guys should be doing that kind of stuff with chaos era mechanics, you know um so I don't know, hopefully we'll see that in the future <laughs> right like, yeah, but uh, um yeah, so yeah that's it's i i'm I'm happy with uh the sino changes in their current form. It just needs some tweaks that's like and and that's the thing that cCP tends to fail on delivering is the follow up. They, they do some really cool, like, brash things, and then they tend to just leave them around. Um, and uh, I think, like, my my one example I always go back to is it took, like, a year and a half for the get to get balanced. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I, I just I feel like the follow-up is always the challenge for CCP.
1: Yeah, and you know what? those little changes can make a huge difference in gameplay. So I want to bring this up. This is another thing that kind of came up in our Discord channel um, when we were having discussion. So this change, this is literally, and let's just dive into this because I think it's super interesting. The smallest change you could possibly think of and the effect it could have. So here's the change. Half prop mod cycle times. And accompanying that, the capacitor use so that the, the cap is the same you know, per second of activation, essentially. Um, and also, half tackle mod cycle times. And again, make it so that it's the same cap per second. So with that, and this is uh, AP wrote this actually in our Discord. So what he kind of put is, better pilots can manage heat and now counter overheat against the Ramjag menace, which is a super good point. Heavy newts are now insanely strong and more reliable at capping out scepters. So it's essentially a buff for those larger ships that can use heavy newts. And uh, I'll kind of explain everything after, the reasoning after. um, So, and again, you, you can cap out jags effectively now with uh, even if they have a nos because of the, the um, tackle mod decrease in cycle time. So tackle mods will now update more frequently, meaning that you can actually leave after an MJD instead of being stuck 100 kilometers off for five seconds, while assholes like me point you within the cycle time of our own tackle mod, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's essentially a nerf to Scepters as well, but a buff to Battleships, like I mentioned. So the whole theory of this is that you can manage heat better because you're building heat on your overheated um, microwave drive, like you can turn it off half sooner which is nice i don't know how many times like i'm like oh yeah i've got enough heat left and one more cycle burns me out like that's pretty typical um you can also like uh if if you pilot this way where you can kind of stop and turn or something like that you know that's also more beneficial but with the uh the tackle mods so the way tackle mods work is uh, once they're activated even if it deactivates or gets neuted off, it's it stays on until the cycle is done. So, like, if you're uh an interceptor, let's say, and you neut him down to nothing, and then in the time between your newts, it regens enough, now he gets a full cycle of tackle mod on you. So, I don't know, we'll go through those two, the, the MWD cycle time and tackle uh, mod cycle time being halved and what do you think about that Blood?
0: I think that's a super interesting uh, concept. And like I I think that would be pretty cool. I think one thing that I notice really sets like strong pilots apart from weak pilots is micromanagement. And I'm gonna bring up like Lucy Liu because I think he's one of the best showcases for this. But um when he does stuff like if you ever watch him Using his grappler because this is a very specific instance. The grappler has a faster cycle time than a lot of other mods. He's so much more careful at managing heat on the the grappler, even to the point of repairing the grappler during a fight, but not repairing any other modules. And it's really interesting. Um, yeah, concept wise, I think that's really cool. I'd love to see it in action on the test server first. Um, I've definitely noticed uh, one time we had a carries and he could point at like 86 or something and somebody MJD'd out and then he still had them pointed from like the cycle time and then got in range and pointed them again. Um, I think back to things like Big Miker um, where someone MJDs, they land 100 off and he had MJD'd, like set his MJD or hit it like one. One and a half seconds behind, but because of the cycle time and the tick rate of the server, um, when they landed 100k away, they couldn't warp yet. And then he his MJD landed him out in range, and and he was able to extend the point. Um, he called it something. He called it a stretch point specifically, is like the name he termed it. But like stuff like that, I know exists, and at high level, it's like. It happens, um, kind of abusing that mechanic. But yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Especially the newts being able to cycle faster and stuff, so that you're, or, or like, because the, yeah, because the tackle mod is cycling faster, it would shut off sooner and you could warp. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. It's, it's, it seems like a pretty cool change. I don't know. And it would be super easy to make. It's just like stat changes, essentially, right? But anyway, yeah. the whole point of that was just to show, kind of demonstrate how effective small changes could be um, like that. Like super quick things that you can just get in and do. And I think I think that CCP should look at a lot more stuff than that, including balance and module tweaks and stuff like that. But it's just my opinion. So I don't know, you want to kind of get into our last little topic about uh, useful alts for small game?
0: Yeah, so I personally have three accounts. Um and a while back I started one specifically as an alt. Um and so that's the character Blood Tear. Um and I looking at our list use that one character for three out of our four reasons listed. Um <laughs> but so the I think the most useful one is a Interceptor alt. Um mine is a Stiletto or he can fly stilettos.
1: Stiletto is by far the best uh, multi-box alt interceptor. Yeah, it takes the
0: the least um, micromanagement because you're not managing a rep really.
1: Well, uh, really, if you're not flying a stiletto or a malediction, like uh, what the fuck are you doing? So yeah, yeah, you right? don't, you don't <laughs> have to manage the active rep of the malediction. It's a no-gun um, shield extended, uh, long point, short point, micro drive fit. The lows, uh, people tend to just like, uh, you know, um, the lows are, can be switched around a little bit, but basically not. <laughs> Make sure you fit an ionic rig or a sigamp in the low. One of the two. But yeah, that's that's. I agree. Like, it's the most beneficial. It's so nice when you're either you can take it out and go tackle something and then yell, or you can uh, scout your slower ship around and you know tackle things while your ship gets there. It's 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 very nice to have scouting all that kind of, kind of stuff. For
0: sure. And then um, the second, probably most common one, is a Command Destroyer alt. Um, and you can use them in varying complexity. But So I have a Bifrost. It mostly just will fly on approach of my main and provide links. Um, I see people like Lucy Lu using them to jump out of combat and things like that that's totally viable you can put on things like uh remote tracking in uh computers to boost your range um stuff like that but so i think
1: it's it's pretty sick like Mm -hmm. man
0: yeah you did that in your zealot right
1: yeah i did that in my zealot i fly a beam zealot sometimes like a and it's ridiculous like ridiculous It's, it's really strong on like Kiki's and Drex and stuff like that too. Um, man, like boss, I, I'm just shout out to boss sausage from Chronos ritual. Cause he triple boxed uh, one of these Bifrost with dual tracking computers with his Kiki and a, uh, I can't remember what ship he was using. He was using a rep, one of the rep a ships. A scalpel. Yeah. He used a scalpel and he would just, uh, yeah, he would use recall feature to put the ships on his Kiki and he'd run around and just frag all kinds of stuff. So,
0: and then kind of along that same line of combat oriented I think interdictors having an alt that can fly interdictors can be really useful too um, and I think if you're if you have a character that can fly a command destroyer right so you've already got destroyer five, then it's not too much extra to to train into an interdictor and that can be useful, especially in wormhole space um, I feel like I use an interdictor a little bit more than Sometimes I use my command destroyer to jump things off, but in terms of a, a combat oriented um focus, I think that interdictors can be really useful too.
1: Yeah, I think basically if you if you're you know, if you want to get into small gang or you are into small gang and you wanna train an alt, you can't go wrong with Minotaur's the skills sub cruiser basically, like Stiletto, Bifrost, and Sabre, all top of their yep. class, basically. So
0: very very good. Um then, uh, in terms of general use, uh, having an alt for hauling or scouting. So that same character that I use that has interceptor and bifrost, mostly like mostly, can also fly a uh, prowler and a what's the other one? <laughs>
1: Spider. No. Oh, uh... the so okay, so the the cob ops cloaking haulers and the uh, yeah. Deep space transports that have the big fleet hangar. Yes. Those are the the two. Yeah, the te- there te- we te- go. Columns.
0: So, yeah, so so that character can also fly a deep space transport, and specifically living in wormholes, that has made the world of difference. Um, being able to do logistics with a DST is like light and day. Uh, and I actually, I always just put hyperspatials on it, and I think I even have ascendancies, like mid-grade ascendancies for that clone, and uh, just being able to do logistics. So, like when I'm not doing combat stuff, that character hauls things, um, and those two roles are pretty much exclusive, uh, right? You're never gonna be like hauling things and be like, "Man, I wish I had an interceptor with me," um, or I guess like there's edge cases in NullSec or something. Or like you're gonna be in combat with an interceptor, and like your main in a combat ship, and you're not gonna be like, man, I really wish I had my DST with me. So I think like having an alt, especially in wormholes for for hauling, is very very useful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The last kind of one we want to mention is uh, sometimes when you're small ganging, you don't really get a good opportunity to make isk like a lot of corps you'll join will, um, will kind of say like, okay, you have to, you know, we don't provide you guys an opportunity to make ISK. Um, you know, we don't have sub, we don't have easy access to ISK making things. So you have to be, you know, self-sufficient on your ISK. So whether that's like a, you know, cheap ratter, like a merm or a dummy, whatever people are going to use now that the VNI's got nerfed to just kind of spin a, an anom as you're PVPing, on your other characters, that's like one good way to do it. Or you could, you know, f- fit up an a and do relic hunting, um, stuff like that. But it's it's important that this one be like, you know, don't do it on your main character because I find, you know, people would then leave, go go out to go hunt relic sites or do whatever they're gonna do, or go to a farm hole, and then it's like, okay, we got a bunch of content, and you know, he can't join in now, so. This one you could probably have it on your main account, but on an alt, like especially if you're doing something like relic hunting, because you can just log off. And then at any point you can kind of just cloak up, log off that character, and hop onto your main to PvP. So, it's generating alt is is quite important. Another good uh, I have a... good way to it'd be good to do like an abyssal um like a uh, an abyssal alt like a Gila or something like that. Pretty easy, to quick train, and you could just uh, like run level four abyssal sites to make ISK. Something like that.
0: Yeah, I have a character in Horde that used to be in a VNI and I've then switched over to a Gila and I have not noticed much of an impact on my bottom line. Um, but that's like the majority of how I make my uh, subsequent income to just fund my PvP when, yeah, when I'm not doing anything.
1: Alright, well yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for alts. Um, I mean, okay, so that's like role specific alts. It's always good to multi multibox. Um, so, for example, I have, like, nester alts and stuff like that. Like, my alts are pretty high SP, so they can fly. It's basically I can have multiples of the same thing. Like I could, if we're rolling with shacks and nesters, I could just, like, all right, I got two nesters or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, once you get those basics, you can expand out to... F- fleet roles that you want to try multi boxing with or do cool stuff like uh you know remote rep dummies or something like that there's lots of other cool stuff you can do with alts but how useful they are you know it's subjective these are solid roles that you're not going to regret training on an alt yeah i guess we'll get into kind of our shout outs um there is a small gang channel in game you guys should join it's called micro gangs that's uh, micro gangs with an s the plural version of gang um, it's all one word and it was started by AP and uh, he's been doing a lot of roaming with like random people here and there and if you know you can the idea is you can hop in there and uh, open your mouth and uh, find a fleet mate to do some small gang with so it doesn't matter what group you're with anything like that you know just hop in there and find someone to fly with and you can get some help and whatnot in there as well
0: And AP is a really good pilot. Like I've flown with him a bit and I feel like you will, especially if you're on the newer side, you will pick up, uh, tactics and information just flying with those kinds of guys. Um, so I would highly recommend getting involved. Um, AP is Oris, I don't even know how to say his last name, but, uh, but yeah, he, he's a good content creator too, makes YouTube videos. And I think we've linked his videos before. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's like it's a good opportunity if you're looking for uh, small game content. And whether you're experienced or inexperienced, I think it, it you can benefit a lot from that yeah. kind of content.
1: Absolutely. And just another little one for us guys, like uh, we mentioned a couple times about our Discord server that we started. So we'll put a link in the show notes, and if you want to join us, and you know, I, I it kind of blows me away. There's like over 70 people in there now. And there's been like no spurg. We haven't, Blood well, and I haven't had to exercise our moderator privileges at all. Um, and I've seen really good, productive discussion going on in there. It's, it's kind of inspiring. So, I mean, to anyone in there, thank you for being so chill and cool. And uh, if you're not in there and you're chill and cool, uh, please join it.
0: Yeah, I've been very surprised uh, with the conversation and, like, you know, people bring up certain suggestions or points and someone will bring up a counterpoint, but it's always like in a constructive manner. It's I don't think I've seen anyone just be like, Oh, you're fucking stupid or whatever. So that's really good. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's also cool. Like for us to get to talk and interact with people who are listening. Cause like we can see that people are listening, but we don't necessarily know them individually. Um, and so by, having you guys like in discord and talking to us you know it's it's stuff like um mantonio telling us what was going on at the meetup that he went to like that kind of stuff is really cool to me um uh, and getting to to have those conversations and get to know people is really cool so yeah um please join our discord if you're listening and uh we'd love to talk to you guys so
1: <laughs> all right do you have uh, anything else you want to add blood
0: no, I've been watching Lucy Liu stuff a lot recently. He, it seems like with the, I don't know if it's specifically because of Sino changes or not. He's always flown bigger things, but now he's, it was for a while like Megathrons and Ravens, and more recently he's been flying things like Macarials and Vargers, and like kind of going back to that larger scale. Um, and it's really cool. Like I just I've been watching a lot of his stuff, and I really like his content, and I really wish I spoke Russian just so I could understand his content better
1: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i'm a big fan of his as well and i don't know like i've kind of been struggling lately to find uh some inspiration in eve so i'm hoping by next episode i'll I'll have found some and uh have some cool stories to talk about but one thing that i've kind of always fantasized about and i've done a little bit of it is kind of nomading around and you know there's there's one of these there's the three wormholes in eve that are shattered wormholes but they're unique from the other shadow wormholes in that they, um, they're they occupied by the Sancha. And there's one of the high sec, one with a low sec, and one with a null sec static. They have other wormhole statics as well. But I, I have a dream of living in one. And you, it's unique because you can't anchor structures, right? So whether it's an orca or a bowhead alt or something in there housing ships and, you know, just kind of doing that for a bit. I don't know. If anyone has a scanner in one of those wormholes, please get in contact with me so I can seed one of my own.
0: Incoming orca kill. <laughs> yes,
1: please don't just bait me into an orca kill. Um, just in case you're thinking about doing that, I'm not an idiot, and I wouldn't bring my orca in loaded. It would be unloaded, and then I would fly ships in one by one and store them there. So,
0: sure, that's a likely story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, who not believe that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I guess uh that's we'll call her there for the for the this this episode guys. Um thanks a lot for listening. Remember guys, it's not the size of your gang.
0: It's about how you use it.